It's about more than just research. It's about community, too. Right? See you in the community. What's going on this weekend? The last time we met, we talked to... Well, last time I talked to the people from downtown. What was the last movie you went to? Miguel, what's new with... Miguel, what's new in the community? Have you gotten any feedback about the Twitter feed? First of all, for the people who contact us, another episode of the Community Board podcast with your host, Miguel Valdez, and I'm here today at a meeting from the board from the Minnesota Business Leadership Network, and they're working on driving success through disability and inclusion. And I'm here with uh, with the presenter, Anne Phipps. Yes. How are you doing, Anne? I'm great. Thanks for having me. No, thank you for the presentation that you did today. And um, can you share with our friends what does the Minnesota Business Leadership Network works on a little bit so people have a sense how your presentation? Right. Well, um the Minnesota Business Leadership Network, I was asked to present to them, so I want to be clear, I'm not uh, a member per se, but I do know that they are folks from across different industries, corporate America, uh, working on uh, how to create access for people with disabilities into jobs. And they invited um, uh, members, I mean, members from the industry in Minnesota to have a Yep. So both people who work directly with people with disabilities, as well as companies and uh, nonprofits and organizations that are interested in being accessible to people with disabilities and increasing employment for people with disabilities. Great. And can you share a little bit with our friends? What was your presentation about? Yeah. So I'm the president uh, and founder of Strategic Diversity Initiatives, which is a um, organization that aims to help uh, organizations of all sizes, whether it's corporate, uh, nonprofit, faith communities, healthcare, education, um, create more inclusive uh, climates within their own organizations. Look at so I do training, a lot of diversity, equity, and diversity training. I also do consulting, coaching. I help with diversity plans and diversity committees. And I was asked to come in. Uh, I did a presentation that looks at how can we weave a complex understanding of disability and ableism into. Uh, a diversity and inclusion training curriculum. So I shared uh, some material about how I talk in general about social identities. That would be race, class, sexual orientation, disability, religion, gender, um, and how we can kind of bring up more issues of disability because people don't often see disability as as much a part of diversity as I think they could. You, I shared an experience. I have a lot of experience in higher education And in higher education, sometimes you'll see disability services kind of put under student affairs or separate from the diversity and inclusion efforts. And they really need to be seen together. That disability is one more social identity where people are marginalized, where we need allies. to. you also mention that disabilities, sometimes you cannot see them. 
Right, so you have non-apparent disabilities as well as apparent disabilities. And part of what happens is we tend to stereotype, I believe, our thoughts around disability in just focusing on accommodation. So how do I accommodate people with disabilities? And then I often go to stereotypes that the, the person is, that you know it's just about someone who uses a wheelchair, or someone who's blind or low vision or deaf or hard of hearing. And certainly thinking about accommodations for those individuals is terribly important, but actually the majority of us who might have a disability are people with non-apparent disabilities, so someone who might live with depression or anxiety or, um, or a traumatic brain injury or something where it's not readily apparent. And so one of the frames I was talking about is that notion of as if. I, I like to say, what if we acted as if every kind of person was in every space we were in? So instead of saying, well, I don't see anybody in a wheelchair, so I don't need to think about accommodations. What if I said, uh, I don't know who's going to be in my space. I don't know who's going to be listening to my lecture. I don't know who's going to be accessing my website today. But I want to make sure that whatever their abilities, that it's accessible. And if we act as if uh, every, but every kind of person is in every space, we create much more access and inclusion. Yeah, I since you mentioned that, it came to mind. Uh, I saw a video on Japan's Japan culture. They they put braille braille yeah. in every food, so everybody uh, gets right get to read. The people who's blind yeah get to read what are they eating right and like yeah. you said every is accessible for everybody right right and the the fact is. Um, some of the things that we do also um, might help all sorts of people. Uh, you have specific accommodations, something like Braille, that's going to help people who are blind or low vision, and that's terribly important. But if we also think about things like inclusive design or what some people call universal design, like curb cuts um, or like gender-neutral restrooms that people of all different kinds of genders as well as different abilities use, um, curb cuts is a great example. Um, curb cuts are designed in some ways for to facilitate access for people, say, using wheelchairs. But how many of us who don't use wheelchairs but are wheeling a bike or pushing a stroller or have luggage just count on there being curb cuts? And so it just creates more access. So if, if we and, and we think about that physically, but what about our conferences? What about our job interviews? What about how we, again how our information is accessible parking spots exactly there's all sorts of ways that we can be thinking yeah i'm having a conference is it on a bus line is it you know um how can i make how can you know if i know that uh i have a higher percentage of people who are people of color uh or indigenous um people with disabilities I might have people who can't economically access my conference should I do more fundraising so that my conference is more accessible to more people that's about kind of designing up front with inclusion in mind um, so there always needs to be specific accommodations but we can also just design it things to be more inclusive in general more accessible you also mentioned uh, uh, all humans have already we all have um, biases. Yes, implicit, implicit. right. Yeah, yeah, I talk some about, a, a lot of folks now are talking about implicit or unconscious bias, which is very important. Of course, I, I would never want to talk about implicit bias without mentioning that there's still far too much explicit bias, and we're seeing evidence of that. Um, 
uh, far too often, and that needs to be confronted. But all of us have implicit bias, and the studies are, um, they just continue to, a lot of research out there that suggests that all of us have it, and that it doesn't go away by just pretending it's not there, that um, it isn't just a bias toward your own group, which is sometimes what people think implicit bias is. It's actually a bias. And you think those biases is because of the way that people is bring up? Yeah. Or, or the environment where they grow, if they're I not do. exposed with other diversity or, or yeah I think it comes from I think it comes from our media I think it comes from our educational materials it certainly comes from all the environments our family um, our, our, our society so you know who do we see as leaders who do we see in our political system who do we see in our media um, and the the studies show that uh, around race um, people of all racial identities show a pro-white and anti-black bias that around gender, people of all genders show a uh, pro-male and anti-female bias. Uh, the way they study this is often they'll, they'll send out uh, identical resumes where the only thing they change is a name. And so in the case of gender, you might have absolutely identical resumes. One is a male name, one is female. And overwhelmingly, people of all genders see the, the resume with the man as more competent, more likely to hire him, often more likely to give him more money. Um, but they're identical. So you also mentioned by names, just by looking exactly, at names. Exactly, exactly. And then, of course, if if we listen to people's lived experience, there was an article, uh, really touching commentary in the Star Tribune, a mother, uh, a woman of color, whose daughter, also a woman of color, um, used her birth name that identified her as Latina and wasn't getting any interviews. And so the mother suggested as a kind of social experiment to change the name to Kristen, which is a more, you would stereotypically white name in a place like Minnesota. And within a week, she had interviews and then job offers. And so to, to I, I think about how painful it must be to be proud of your daughter and to have her see her succeed in college, be excited about going out onto the uh, workforce. The workforce, thank you. And then, um, and then she has to hide her own ethnic identity that she should be proud of in order to be seen as competent um, that's implicit bias and it doesn't go away again as I said by just pretending it's not there we need to talk about it and we need to talk about it in our hiring committees and with our supervisors and supervisees and with our teams um, and and start to realize that maybe some of the ways we've done things is that might get in the that way will be some Microaggression, because you also talk about microaggression. Right. Would that be one of those, or, or that's more bias? That's yeah, I mean, I think implicit bias is, uh, yeah, I mean, I think they're two sides of the same coin. They're kind of part of the whole way that people who have marginalized identities face different barriers. And so sometimes those barriers are, uh, I didn't get the promotion. And um, I, I've heard story after story of folks, uh, often from people of color in organizations who say, uh, people or indigenous who say uh, I've seen white people move ahead with less education, less experience, um, and I think sometimes that's explicit bias. Sometimes it's implicit bias, and microaggressions as, or what some people call micro inequities are what can happen to just um, create a, a, a climate that makes it very challenging for people to be their best. Um, one of the things I was talking about with microaggressions or inequities is that these are often not explicit. This is not the person who's like, a, 
you know, a diehard racist or who, you know, is a misogynist or, you know, who's a homophobe. These are the people who they might have a gay friend. They might, um, or they might themselves even um, be a woman who, who still kind of uh, comments about how other women dress or something like that that could be seen as a microaggression and, and perpetuates a stereotype. So um, why did I mention that about dress? Because we have strong stereotypes about mm. how women's appearance is much more important than men's appearance. And so um, just starting to think about little jokes or comments, how can I... I might think something in my head because we're human. We're going to think things, now and you know, now I feel but we don't have to say it. I usually say, oh, I drive, I, I drive like a grandma because <laughs> I drive slow. Right, and, right. And not everybody who's a grandma drives slow. This is true. Yes. And, uh, oh, yeah. I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can have this yeah. be your yeah, formal no, apology to all grandmas. Yes. And, I, you know, and I'm not going to drive faster. I'm just <laughs> not going to say it anymore. Right. Well, and I'll share I'll share a personal experience because I do think part of this work is about being vulnerable and recognizing that we all do it. I was in an elevator, and uh, typical Minnesota kind of weather that week, it had been cold and then really warm, and it had just gone back and forth. And I, someone got on the elevator I didn't know. I was at the University of Minnesota working there, and I just said, oh, I have PTSD from this weather, um, post-traumatic stress mm-hmm. disorder. And I got out of the elevator, and I thought, that's not an okay joke. Um, for someone who lives with PTSD, that's that's never a laughing matter. That's a challenge. And um, so we're, you know, those of us who think we're beyond it, we're not. It, I, one of the frames I talked about is it's lifelong work. So all you can do is say, oh, catch your, you know, either catch yourself or if someone had, I wonder what would I have done if someone had turned to me and said, well, that's not really something to be joking about. I hope I would have said, Thanks for sh- thanks for letting me know because I'm on a journey like everyone else to try to be the best person I can be and I will make mistakes and if we instead of thinking it's shameful or you know if I if I if you point something out to me I need to be humiliated if instead I say oh thanks for helping me be a better person I think that's the kind of attitude we need to have to shift things and how are all these things uh, the people who came today how can they apply or how can they benefit the workforce that they work for yeah and i think part of my main message today was that it's never enough to um well, let me back up and say i have something i talk mm-hmm. about sometimes a both and frame because we love either or in our co- culture I think in U.S. society it's either this or it's this and it's often both and so we always need to support um, our staff our students our clients who have disabilities and to think about um, very particular needs they might have whether that's around accommodations but it's never enough to just do that we we the and comes where those of us who don't live with disabilities need to be thinking, how can I be an ally? So whether it's planning a conference or, again, looking at my website or my hiring practices or the speakers that I'm bringing in or um, a- anything like that, uh, you know, how do we build community at work? Um, do I create a place where someone could share, yeah, I'm having a tough day or I've been out for the last week because I live with, um, with chronic depression um, and so I was out last week, and I appreciate everyone kind of helping me out. Do I Have I created a workplace, a, a workforce and a workplace, where someone 
could feel like they could share that. And so, and that's about allies. That's about people who might not have a disability, but say, I care enough about the ways that we marginalize people with disabilities that I don't want to, I don't want to contribute to that. I want to, I want to shift that. And, and I always come back to education. I'm an educator in my core. We need to have conversations. We need to make mistakes, be corrected, and uh, build a community where we're willing to have these conversations. And I see a lot of people in my work who care deeply about being more inclusive. I really, that gives me a lot of hope that the vast majority of people I encounter want to do the right thing. They don't want to, most people don't want to feel like they have bias. They don't want to feel like they're um, creating barriers for anyone. But if you just say, well, I'll just put my head down and do my job and, and just focus on me, that often, that doesn't shift a work environment. We need to all be actively engaged as allies around all these social identities. And thank you for sharing. Where can people contact you? Oh, I'm at um, Strategic Diversity Initiatives. So you can go to my website, which is strategicdi.com. You could also welcome an email and a coffee date. I'm an entrepreneur now, so I love to have coffee and lunch dates. And that's A-N-N-E dot Fibs, P-H-I-B-B-S. And who would be, I mean... Can I finish the yes, email address that, um, at uh, strategicdi.com? Thanks. Okay, sorry for interrupting. Where, who would be your client? You know, actually, I have all sorts of clients. So um, it could be a corporate client. It could be higher education. It could be um, a nonprofit. It could be a faith community. I work with churches. I work with professional organizations, um, healthcare organizations. Um, and I, I work with people closely to tailor the training and work that I do so that it matches. You were um, saying that you mentioned that you were you. going to LA in January for a conference. Yeah. Training. What kind of training? I'm is doing that? some training at the, with the LA or um, library. Yeah. The LA County library. Um, uh, and then I'll be doing some work in San Diego at um, University of California, San Diego. So, um, yeah, libraries Great. and, you know, any place that says, oh, we, we might benefit from some conversations, whether it's about race, whether it's about disability, yeah. gender, or all of the above. And I want to give a big shout out to the Minnesota Business Leadership Network for having us today yeah. here at the Mayo Clinic Square. Yeah, I think that's here in what downtown, it's downtown yes. here downtown Minneapolis, and uh, they're going to be sharing some of your slides if yes. people want to go to the Minnesota Business Leadership Network and check out uh, their social media and some of the posts there from today's from today's conversation. And also, I want to invite everybody to follow us on Facebook on their find us on their go on pages first, and then find us on their community board also on Twitter under Community Board, iTunes and SoundCloud under Community Board Podcast and contact us if you have something else that you would like to share with the community. Remember this is a platform for um, for sharing resources and information and anything else that you want to add. Um, I just wanted to say thanks for having me and I think it's wonderful that you're doing this work, well, getting the word out about all sorts of great work that people are doing. We need to continue to like learn from each other and stay hopeful. What's going on this so, thanks. Yeah. Thank you. And stay tuned and let's go well, last enjoy the I weather. I think the people from downtown nice. What was the last movie? There in the Miguel, what's new? Chilly, but, Miguel, what's oh, wow. new in the community? Have you? <laughs> yeah, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it.
So, first All right, of all, have a good day. Contact Bye-bye. us on Twitter. About a certain research, can you tell me more? Well, depends who you talk if you talk to the people from the board. Why did the yogurt go to the art museum? Did you see in the news? To get more culture.